take a deep breath Take the higher road That's what they always say As if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself It's life and just a dream You make your own So kick and scream The people will like With a never-ending force You never had the chance So what you waiting for The day has come, my friend Cause this is war The onset of the pandemic, like a lot of people, there was so much uncertainty swirling. You know, really, we were getting one version of things from the news. We had these quote unquote experts. We didn't really know what to believe. I think in those first couple of weeks, and I've said it before, both in private conversations on the show, at speaking engagements that I've been a part of, I was very uncertain. I ultimately had kind of my my personal like light bulb moment um, in things not matching up from what I was being told versus what I was seeing. But there was definitely days, and I would even say a few weeks in there, that I was unsure. I was really observing, and I was taking everything in, and I was questioning things, um, but maybe not to the level that I certainly do now. But it was a very, very uncertain time with a lot of mixed messaging and just trying to kind of navigate all of that was very, very surreal. And what I personally experienced very early on was this tug, this sort of undeniable pull, if you will, And this might resonate with some of you that are listening. Um, If you are a believer, if you are, whether you call yourself Christian, whether you call yourself a follower of Yeshua, a believer in Jesus Christ, whatever that language is that you use for your personal relationship. And, And I say that kind of independent of the quote unquote religion aspect of things. But I found this like insane pull, this, this calling almost, if you will, of, of draw near, come closer to me. Um, This is a time to not fear. This is a time to walk by faith, probably more so than you ever have in your entire life. And that being something that, that, that God put on my heart so early on in this crazy time that we have now lived in for the past three years, it literally transformed my viewpoints and the way that I see things the conversations that I have with people. And I have, I have come to the realization, and I think a lot of people have, that this is not just a pandemic. This is not just 
government corruption. This is, you know, all of those fancy uh, kind of talking points are the things that we, we hear on the news, but this is spiritual warfare. And my, my Christian perspective on that um, might be different than somebody else's. Um, maybe if somebody is not necessarily a believer in, in, in Yeshua, um, maybe they participate in something else that offers them a sense of spirituality. Maybe those people are also um, sensing something. But when we talk about a spiritual battle, or when I do anyways, my question to maybe non-believers or people that maybe scoff at the notion of Jesus walking this planet um, or the uh, maybe stereotypes that come along with kind of textbook Christianity. My question to those folks is how do you how do you build your foundation of right and wrong and morality? And whether we want to label that spiritual spirituality or religion or you know looking at the 10 commandments or these sort of like societal you know, the unwritten rules, really, like, obviously, yes, we have laws. Um, there are laws against murdering. There's laws against stealing. Um, you know, there, there are laws in place. But inherently, again, I am a believer that the majority of society and people are good. I like to believe in that. Um, otherwise, I think it's a very... I don't know, that would be a really negative headspace to be in all the time if you walk around thinking that people are inherently bad. So I think that we apply things to the way that we live and the way that we operate and the way that we uh, carry ourselves in relationships, the way that we raise our children. And those are based off of some sort of principality. And not necessarily me growing up. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't, I, I, I attended church with friends more so than, um, you know, my parents. Um, I chose to get baptized independent of kind of family input or um, I guess, yeah, family input or this is just kind of what we do. Really nobody, um, nobody did in my family get baptized, especially as like young kids. Um, but I chose to do that on my own at 16. So I've always kind of had this pull, if you will. And I've strayed many a times. I am not, I think, I think looking at me, um, you know, I think for a non-believer, it'd be very easy to probably call me a hypocrite or a, a not a very good example of a Christian woman. And that's fine. I think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress as cliche as that sounds, but I know where my heart is and I know what my intentions are and I know what my personal relationship with the Lord is. And I just wonder 
what is that pull and what is that grounding and what is that foundation for people that are maybe lacking in a connection to something greater than themselves? Or if they completely don't believe in anything for whatever reasons those may be. I am curious where the foundation is established from, how firm that foundation is. And when you see what's happening in society, how, how can you, um, I guess, support what is happening from the basis of a, of a moral framework? So independent of whether or not you are a Christian, a Muslim, if you are Hindu or, or Buddhist, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a theologian, I'm not even a biblical scholar, um, you know, I have a very, uh, I guess, I guess general idea and I, I will stand corrected if I'm wrong in this, but I think that the world quote unquote, religions have more in common than we don't have in common as far as those sort of golden rule things, right? Like, I, I think that Muslims would tell you, like, you know, we have, we have rules that we abide by that set our moral foundation, that these are the things that we adhere to that are foundation building for us. And, you know, ultimately, it leads us to be good husbands, good fathers, good contributors to society. Um, you know, I certainly think that about the, the Christian um, faith or religion as kind of a blanket statement. But there are so many things happening now in society that directly point my brain to the fact that we are breaking down in such a fast way and it's such a high magnitude that it's actually additional confirmation to me that walking the path that I am walking is necessary. It's incredibly necessary for how I live my life, for how I view the world, for how I raise my son, for the friendships I have, for the relationships that I have. It's integral. So I want to read something that was a, it was a quote that I had seen on a post um, on Instagram. And I think if you, again, are maybe a non-believer um, and that the, the foundation for which you build your, your principles or your morals or your values that aren't maybe of a faith-based, um, you know, reason or rationale why you have those. They're just of kind of more of the, the golden rule, do unto others, or I'm a good person, those types of things. But I want to read this quote because I see it happening in communities that don't tend to be faith-based. And here's where it gets scary for me as a believer. I don't think this spiritual warfare is just uh, this, this sort of battle of us versus them. I think the scarier battle is that it's us versus us. And when I say that, 
I mean the false teachings that are happening in the church, um, the, the churches that are flying LGBTQ flags, um, the churches that are, you know, preaching false things about what Jesus would do or say, um, all under the pretense or all under this very large umbrella of Christianity or under we are followers of Christ. So I think it's like a twofold battle happening here. But for the folks that don't maybe prescribe to religion or are non-believers, I think that this is how I kind of see everything falling apart. And um, it's it's brilliantly said. So this is the quote. And it's from uh, Joni Erickson Tata. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't look her up. I don't know who she is. I don't know what her background is. I just read this and it smacked me. Um, it says, though gradually... No one remembers exactly how it happened. The unthinkable becomes tolerable and then acceptable and then legal and then applauded. I'm going to read that again. Though gradually, no one remembers exactly how it happened. The unthinkable becomes tolerable and then acceptable and then legal, and then applauded. I see the moral shifting of our country just going in such wild ways that not only scream, like from my perspective, like this is Satan's work, this is the enemy digging in, and working overtime, like there is overtime work being done by the enemy. And that doesn't mean that those of us that are believers aren't victim to that. We fall into those traps all the time. You know, the enemy is sneaky. The enemy is manipulative, knows how to get into your subconscious, knows how to present something with a very shiny bow on it that is actually not good for you, um, you know, leads you down the straight paths. So there, there's really, you know, using discernment and continuing to have a strong relationship with the Lord is really, you know, your, your best line of defense. But the enemy attacks from all sides at all times, wherever he can get in, he's going to get in. And this is such a perfect depiction of how, of how this happens. It's gradual. It just kind of appears one day. It then becomes a little bit larger and then you have people saying, oh, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's tolerable. Okay, I'm just going to tolerate it. Well, the more people that tolerate it, well, now it's, now it's acceptable. It's, it's okay to behave in this type of manner. It's okay for our society to have this. That a few years ago, we, we would have all been absolutely appalled at but it's acceptable now 
and then and then it becomes legal and then we lose our rights and then someone else is telling us nope not only is it legal it's required it's mandated and then ultimately it gets applauded people that cannot speak out people that cannot stand firm on their moral foundation people that cannot go against the grain, people that do not have enough strength and fortitude to speak up and to be bold in their convictions will ultimately end up applauding it. And categories that I can that I can think of that apply to this, right? Like we have situations now where we have children in as young as elementary school with very, very inappropriate sexual books in their libraries. I think we've all seen videos. I think we've seen videos of parents going to the school libraries and then checking out the books and then coming to the school board meetings and reading these explicit books in front of the school board, begging for grown adults to step up and do the right thing and say, no, this is not appropriate. Again, I don't think that that is a Christian, non-Christian issue. I don't think that's a Muslim, non-Muslim issue. I think that is a foundational issue of right and wrong. And when we want to talk about spiritual warfare, it is all encompassing right and wrong. Correct versus incorrect. I can also think of the LGBT movement and this push. And now as a Christian, I, you know, growing up, like, did I know gay people? Sure. I know gay people now. I have gay friends. I have gay family members. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a hateful person about the lifestyle or about whether whether there's the notion if you think that you were born that way, whether this is what you choose to engage in your intimate personal relationships. It's okay. It's. I'll be honest. It's really none of my business. Um, but my problem is, and where my anger and my frustration comes in is when we stop assessing it from the lens of protecting people that should never be exposed to things that they can't process, that they can't handle. If you're an adult and you are gay and you are in a relationship, fantastic. Like, I'm happy that you found somebody. Do I, is it, is it necessarily like in my heart, do I agree with it? Or do I think that that's the way that God intended us to be? No, but I can, I can love you as a human being, but I can also get frustrated and be angry when the sexual orientation becomes your identity. And then that gets spewed over into areas where it doesn't need to exist. 
We don't need children at pride parades watching grown adults walk down the street in bondage wear. We don't need that. And from a from a, 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 a biblical standpoint and a morality standpoint, it goes against my personal foundation. And I don't, I don't know how it can't go against the moral foundation of people that, that, that aren't faith-based. I don't know what the justification for that is. The transgender movement is another one. Well, I think it's kind of, it, it kind of ties in. I said the LGBT, you know, Q thing. I, I believe it when the good book, <laughs> you know, God, God made man and a woman and we were, we were made perfectly. We were made in his image. There are undeniable things I think that, you know, could be potentially correlated to um, a lot of children that maybe experience this. But I, I have questions for, I think I mostly have questions for the parents, right? Like I have a lot of questions for the parents that are either gung-hoing this or that are not pumping the brakes on letting their children get through puberty. Um, you know, I, man, oh man, I was probably the biggest tomboy I mean, ever, I always had short hair. I was weird in my body. I was uncomfortable. I was skinny. I was awkward. Um, you know, I, I was your quintessential tomboy. I'm thankful I was raised when I was raised. I'm not sure. I, I don't think that my parents would have given in to societal pressures, but I can only imagine what would happen if I were in a in a one-on-one counseling session office or office session with a with a counselor at the middle school who planted a seed that I might be in the wrong body. Where where is the moral foundation to say this is this isn't good? It's of no benefit. And why aren't we closely examining the the end outcomes, right? We have suicide rates, we have depression rates, we have we have all of this, you know, statistical data that probably, you know, is a direct offset to our feelings surrounding the issue. But we're not we're not looking at it with any sense of with any sense of morality. And that's really strange to me. It's really strange how far we've gone and how fast we've gotten there. I was listening to a pastor the other day talk about, um, you know, a similar, a similar idea about how, um, you know, pertaining to, um, you know, the, the, the gay community um, versus, uh, you know, the trans community. 
and how if you open one door, if you open one door to saying, well, I was born this way, that is going to be the reasoning and the rationale and the scapegoat for everything else, for everything else. You can have a, a murderer say, well, I, was, I was born a murderer. Well, you better do a really good job and find me the murder gene in your body. What if pedophiles want to start saying that? Well, I was born this way. It's, it's, it's unfathomable what could potentially happen if, if that is a door that is allowed to be opened. And now I am all for a society that loves everyone and that accepts everyone. And, you know, um, people are entitled to live their lives in a private manner. You're not hurting anyone. Um, you're not harming anyone. Again, kind of those golden rule things for people that perhaps fall out of a, you know, religion umbrella or a faith umbrella. I get that. But I am not sure that not having a faith-based foundation is strong enough to withstand all of the other attacks that are coming from the enemy because they're coming. We're seeing them every single day. And they're probably not being recognized as attacks from the enemy if you don't carry with you that perspective. And I, and, and, and there's a part of me that understands that. And there's a big part of me that doesn't understand that. So I'm going to step away, take a little break, uh, short, short and sweet. And when we come back, I'm just going to keep talking about this and um, dive in a little bit about the church in and of itself and where I think we're kind of in our, in our own spiritual battle, maybe amongst ourselves. So you are listening to Nurses Out Loud. I am Nurse Beth, and this is America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoud.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order of spike support. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. 
Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, when all of this wildness and this pandemic stuff started, I really felt this intense pull. Um, unlike any. Thing that I'd really experienced before. Um, I had kind of had an off and on walk uh, with the Lord throughout, you know, my life and gotten off path, come back, you know, I think as a lot of, um, a lot of people do, but this was intense. And this was like, nope, this is, this is where your head and your heart um, need to be and, and, and dive in and, um, be comfortable here and equally as uncomfortable here, right? It, it, it was both. So part of that for me is and was um, going to church. I think that there's a lot of very valid conversation about whether or not, um, you know, what the modern day church is like. Um, there's a lot of negative associations surrounding the, the, the modern day kind of Christian church, which I can't really say I disagree with, you know, we have these huge mega churches and they look like, you know, just money grabs left and right. We have, you know, churches that are, um, you know, the pastors are wearing $400 speakers. Like it's, you know, people are more worried about what they're wearing to church and um, is it hipster cool than the messaging. So listen, I get all of that and um, I can understand why people would potentially be turned off to not only just going to church, but then also what that church is resent representing, which is Yeshua. So part of it for me is that I, I like, I like people. I like being around people. Um, if there was something that I wish I could do that I can't, it's sing. So I feel like when I go to church and there's a good worship service that I can just kind of sit there and, um, you know, pretend and have my like Mariah Carey moments that I think nobody can hear. Um, I like the sense of community 
So, and, and also not being a biblical scholar and not being somebody that, um, you know, is always really consistent with reading my Bible. I do like to hear the teaching, you know, from the pastor and it gives me a little bit of guidance. So I appreciate that. So those are some of the valuable things that I find, um, you know, physically going to church, um, or even watching it online. The church that I attended had an online service and there were some mornings where I, you know, sat at home and, and, and watched it online versus going. I don't think it's a necessary component at all to having a personal relationship with the Lord. I think it's it's an added for some. It might be a negative for some. Maybe the things that I love about church are things that people don't care for. And so they just refrain and they dive in on the word and their personal walk is amazing without that. I remember very early on again, you know, the government closed down everything, which was absurd. Um, you know, the rules at the hospital that I was working at, the rules were absurd. Everything just started to get absurd so quick. And they announced the closing of churches, which again, if you are somebody like myself that can see that this is spiritual warfare, of course, they're going to close the churches, right? Of course, they're going to close a, well, number one, a gathering place where people of typically like-mindedness will go and sit together and fellowship and enjoy one another's company and find strength in that and find camaraderie in that. Also, it's a place where, you know, I, I, I think walking into a house of worship, there's just something about it that's, it's, it's an energy or it's just kind of like a, a calm or a presence or something that I personally experience. So taking that away from people obviously is going to be, you know, potentially detrimental, which again, I think is part of how the enemy works, you know, break you down little by little by little by little. And fortunately, the church that I went to um, didn't close its doors. They remained open. However, they implemented they implemented some things. Um, so they had, I believe they added in like a, a, a third service or a temporary, you know, third service because they spaced people out in you know, the, the, the main area so that we were social distanced. And then they had one service that was masks required. And I just got that feeling in my heart and in my soul, like, oh, they took the bait. They took the bait and they... They kind of ran with it and they are appeasing the enemy. And it made me so sad. Like it made me so sad, right? There's, there's one phrase in the Bible uh, that said 365 times. That's one time for that. That's, that's one a day, one a day for a year. And it's depending on what version, you know, version of your Bible you have. It's, um, you know, have no fear. They'll shout not fear. And it's for every day to not have fear. It's walking by faith 
every single day. And yet the church I was attending was totally giving into the fear. And instead of the pastor standing up and, you know, giving the talk about that, about how we don't have anything to fear. Our days are, are not our own. We have no idea when we are going to get called (laughs) when our final day approaches. We have no idea. And if the virus is what does it, the virus is what does it. If it's, you know, getting hit by a bus crossing the street, that's going to do it. But you don't not leave your house and cross the street because you think you're going to get hit by a bus. So the pastor gave his big mask sermon. And again, I just felt, I just remember feeling like, oh, this feels so gross. It feels It feels like this person that I, I, let's see, it's not, it's not admire what's, what's the right word. The words are escaping me right now, but it's, it's somebody that I trusted. Let's I'll I'll say that I trusted to be a steward of the word of scripture of, you know, this kind of church leader who was doing good things in our community and doing great things in the lives of the the people that were attending and the youth program that we had. And I felt like he took the bait and I felt like he was almost, you know, shaming the people that didn't wear a mask, right? Instead of giving us you know, this, this idea that we are not to be living in fear. We are to be walking by faith. So I remember after that service, I actually went to the prayer room and it's only a couple of times that I had gone to the prayer room, um, at this church and I walked in and, and the gal that was in the prayer room introduced herself and I introduced myself and I literally just started sobbing. I, I mean, it was a waterfall of tears and, you know, I think she was like a little bit concerned, like, okay, this is, you know, this, this could be a lot. And she said, okay, well, you know, how, how can I, how can I pray for you? How can I pray with you? And I said, I just want to pray for Pastor Bill and I want to pray for this church and I want to pray that we all walk by faith and that we don't live in fear. And it was really amazing because she looked at me with that look of like, I get it, especially after that particular sermon. And that in and of itself was comforting because again, I think through the process of COVID, you felt so alone all the time and you didn't know who necessarily your people were. And you were just sort of like kind of in limbo, I think all the time. And we had that moment, we had that connection of like, okay, we're seeing things um, maybe the same. And that, that felt very comforting. And so we prayed on it. And I kept praying on it and I kept going to that church 
because ultimately it was a place of almost refuge for me. Um, when the, when the outside world felt so crazy, that place at least felt a little bit more sane. And I did feel a sense of community there. Um, and then like most things like once it came out that this really wasn't as bad as everybody was saying it was, and people started realizing, oh, well, I have, I, I haven't gotten COVID. I'm not wearing a mask. My, my sister who never wears a mask, she hasn't gotten it. So all the things kind of lifted and lightened up. And then it just became kind of like, quote unquote, back to normal, right? There was no new normal. It was just, it was just back to normal. But what I did notice in that process is just how many churches went in that direction and ultimately now how many churches have stayed how they are just still holding on how they have veered so far and i think that that is just it's a bummer it's it's a bummer and, you know, I said earlier, like I see these videos and even, even driving around like my town here in Scottsdale, Arizona, I see that, you know, churches have these flags, you know, they're flying these flags out in front of their church. And again, my God is for everyone. It's, it's, that's not the point. The, the point is, is that you're not welcome. It's that it doesn't necessarily need to be the beacon of, of, of whom we are maybe quote unquote catering to, or the way in which you go about bringing other people to know the Lord. I don't know that that is the best representation of, of God and of the Bible. And I don't know that it's the best way, like I just said, to get, to get people to come and, and, and know that they're, know that they're welcome. And especially because Again, it's we we love the we love the person, but our foundational belief is that that is not that is not how God intended. God made man and woman. God made man and woman for procreation. God gave man the the masculine and and the woman the feminine, and they are a perfect pairing. And this also makes me wonder then how the church can maybe, you know, they, they, they then tend to stray in their biblical teachings. What becomes false doctrine? What becomes man's interpretation? What becomes just ultimately lies? And does that lead somebody down a true and accurate path to the Lord? I don't know. 
I don't know if it does. And I guess if I was a non-believer at this juncture, at this stage of the game, and if I was somebody that was out at, you know, rallies or, um, you know, not really understanding the enemy's game, if, if I were to drive by a church and see, you know, the LGBTQ flag flying outside of that, I don't know what my initial thoughts would be. I don't know if I would look at that and be like, oh, that's a cool church. Like, look at how open and accepting they are. I don't know if I would think that. I don't know if I would, you know, go in and be like, oh, yeah, I can I can be myself in here. I can, you know, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be welcomed. I'm gonna be accepted. You know, hopefully there are those thoughts no matter what. But the problem ultimately is that if you are a believer and if you are a, I'll even go as far as to say if you're a churchgoer, there are things that, that go against the fundamental teachings of God. And so how do you, you know, how do you, how do you reconcile that? What does that look like? And, you know, maybe I've gotten a little bit, you know, uh, off track, but when we're talking about this kind of spiritual warfare that I wholeheartedly, you know, believe is happening, we see it in, in other arenas too. We see it in the fact, especially from my Christian perspective, we see it when we are um, looking at, let's see, the media or um, movies or anything like that. No other quote unquote religion, whether, you know, a, a formalized religion gets attacked the way that Christianity does. You don't hear people, you know, bashing other religions. It's incredibly frowned upon. You, you know, just, just today, I think it's hysterical or, well, um, you know, I saw something that was, that was talking about how um, you'll see sports figures being interviewed and there's multiple clips on ESPN of it where they start to mention their Lord and savior. And all of a sudden it's like the feed cuts out. It's like, we can't even have people be expressive about their own personal faith specifically if it's related to being a Christian. You know, we had the Easter holiday and Google, there's like 2.8 billion people that celebrate Easter as a Christian holiday. And Google doesn't put anything up on their banner. Nothing. They don't put rabbit ears on the G. 
they don't, they certainly would never put a cross. Like I'm not even going as far as to, as to say that they don't put an egg as one of the O's. They don't do anything. Yet they will, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll represent other holidays of other faiths. It's very interesting to me. Very interesting. And I think it's just, it's even more confirming to me personally what this war really is about, who the enemy is, and what the truth is. They don't like the truth. The powers that be, the ones that lead us down all of these, you know, um, wrong paths in life, have us worshiping these Hollywood stars, have us worshiping these music idols as these, you know, they're, they're these false idols, right? They are the ones that are working overtime to make sure that the truth is not discovered, that the truth is not known, that we keep as many people away from the truth as possible. They would love for people to not have a personal relationship with God. They would love it and fill those other voids, fill the voids with drugs and alcohol and pornography and sex, this hookup culture and, you know, all of these other detrimental things of, of your identity being in your gender or your identity being in your sexual preference, like fill, fill, fill you up with everything other than the truth. And we saw a huge part of that over the past three years. We're seeing it now more and more today. And I am just growing everly more and more and more and more curious about a non-faith-based person's perspective about it, about just the simple morality component. Because if you just want to call it morality, that there is a battle for that and it's a it's a battle of good versus bad or right versus wrong or correct versus incorrect, I would be satisfied. Well, almost satisfied. I would be more content with that than I would be with people not even being able to see what's happening. And that's also a trick of the enemy, <laughs> just to blind people and keep people so in the dark, so in the dark and manipulate but I'm just so curious. I can't seem to get anyone to have that dialogue with me, you know, about how it's all of a sudden okay. And when I say all of a sudden, I really do feel like it's all of a sudden. How all of a sudden it's okay to take toddlers whose brains are beyond impressionable to, you know, drag performances. You wouldn't take an adolescent boy to a strip club. 
I don't know why the, the other is tolerated. Like that's a moral conflicting issue for me. And I don't get very much explanation from that team about why that's not morally conflicting or why the hypocrisy is acceptable or why they're, you know, what is, what is the threshold? That's maybe even the bigger question. And it goes back to my quote, that quote that I read, you know, it'll become legal and then it'll become applauded. It'll be celebrated. This lack of values and virtue and just simply doing the right thing. Because we know that in the end, doing the right thing is what's best for everyone. It's what's best for our family units. It's what's best for our children. And for us as faith-based people, it goes beyond just doing the right thing. It's having that relationship. It's having that faith. It's having that, that relinquishing of, of all of your fear, of all of your doubt, of all of your, um, of your past. But the morality component is a, is a good place to start of just saying, you know, if I, if I kind of walk the straight and narrow, it's a good place to start from a societal standpoint. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. I'm seeing the complete opposite, in fact. And unfortunately, outside of the church and inside the church, it's a big battle. It's a, it's, it's a war. And it takes, you know, you, you maybe have seen like, memes or, you know, quotes or people on the internet or on Instagram and put on your full armor. We're going to war. It's not to be taken lightly in my opinion. And the unfortunate part is that it is hard to not only is it hard to always walk by faith, but it's also hard when maybe there are people around you that don't understand you in that capacity and then vice versa when you don't understand somebody that's not walking by faith. And whether that's deemed judgmental, I don't know. Maybe it's just a general lack of understanding. Maybe it's a general lack of having the ability right now in society to have a rational conversation about it because maybe both sides are feeling incredibly judged. Maybe both sides are feeling under attack, which I would also say is a masterful ability of the enemy. The ultimate, the ultimate thing in this spiritual war is that you know, we, we have to figure out a way as a society and as a community, both believers and non-believers, 
to come together and understand that there's one common enemy and that if we want to defeat that enemy, we have to figure out a way to work together. It's imperative. And hopefully we realize that sooner rather than this meeting is being recorded before our entire, you know, society becomes so watered down and so tainted that we're just sort of a shell of what we used to be. So hopefully that does happen soon. I'm optimistic as always. <laughs> um, that's probably the faith in me that I have, but I am optimistic that, um, you know, that, that we will course correct. So with that, um, that is all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week. Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays for a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and